Hey everybody, just wanted to say thank you for tuning into this episode of the Nerdcast. If you'd like to stay up to date on all things Nerdcast, you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Nerdcast one If you'd like to inquire about influencing or joining the discussion, you can send us a message on any of our social media or an email at jrbnerdcast at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Let's get into it. Avoid legal snags by telling people they're being recorded. Hey, Jason, you're being recorded. Awesome. I give my consent. <laughs> All right. Good deal. Well, uh, howdy, boys. We back with another episode of the Nerdcast. Um, it's Josh here. And if the audio sounds kind of funky today, that's because we are having to record this um, via Skype. Uh, because busy adult schedules get in the way and we can't always hang out together and do things together. So, But nonetheless, we are recording a podcast today and I've got with me, uh, he's kind of becoming a regular on the podcast, I've got Mr. Jason Silva. Jason, what's up, buddy? Oh, not a lot. Uh, just enjoying this uh, fine evening at in the comfort of my own home. <laughs> that's, that's right. And um, it's now. that's right well i will throw this disclaimer out um i'm sitting here in in my home office in my studio and uh, i do have a window open behind me because my air conditioning is not working properly so we're having to use windows and fans so if you guys hear a dog barking just ignore it um it's because my air conditioning doesn't work right and i got the windows open but that's not what we're talking about tonight we are talking about Dungeons and Dragons because we both love it so much. Isn't that right? Oh, I love it. I mean, it's literally one of my favoritest things ever. It's, uh, I'd have to say it's probably within my top five for sure. Um, most certainly in my top five favorite things. Definitely my favorite pastime. If I had to, if I had to be totally honest, it's my favorite pastime. Yeah, as far um, as it goes, it's the number one. Oh, for sure. So basically what we're going to do tonight, um, since we couldn't get together and hang out and actually, you know, um, put a drawing on the big board and figure out what we were going to talk about. And by big board, I mean um, our cell phones because we're not professionals. (laughs) What we're doing is Jason has three tabs open on his computer that are Dungeons and Dragons groups on Facebook. I have one open on my phone. And what we're going to do is we're going to scroll through these uh, and any questions that people have posed in these groups, we are going to any of them that we like, we're going to attempt to answer. Uh, We may even read a few of the comments because sometimes in these groups, the comments are just as funny as some of the questions. Uh, And so, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Sorry that we don't have any like, you know, big, meaningful discussion topic, but uh, but maybe we'll see some question in here that'll spark some really cool topic for us to talk about. So um, I'm going to go ahead and kick it off because I've got one in front of me that I think is funny and it's going to have a really simple answer, but it's going to be a pretty funny answer. Uh, the question is this. It is 
what is some ways that a party without enough funds can obtain a sailing barge? And immediately my answer is if you're in our party, you murder them and take it. <laughs> right. Or El- <laughs> El- El- Elrum will. I mean, for sure. Yeah. The rest of us El- will usually just kind of hang back and watch him do his thing. Ellerim will punch him in the face and take it um, because that's what Ellerim does best. Um, but no, I mean, outside of just stealing it, I don't really know. From a DM's point of view, that's really the only option, if you ask me, is either pay for it or steal it. Um, as a player, I would just try to steal it. <laughs> I think it'd be cool to steal a sailboat. Yeah, I mean, uh, stealing it, uh, maybe trying to get a job on said barge, uh, sneaking aboard. I mean, there's a few uh, invisibility spells. You know, you can stow away. You know, it's pretty much anything that's been on the movie Titanic, uh, you could probably get <laughs> away with. That's fair. Um, you could, like, smuggle yourself into some crates or something. Um, those are all ways that you could at least obtain passage on this ship. And then maybe once you're on it, you could like commandeer and become the captain and, you know, put everybody under your order. Right. Um, Stage a coup, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I see is like a good old mutiny. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Like if a ship is at Harbor and the crew is in town, like at the bar or something and you go steal their ship, most parties have at most like eight people. You can't, crew an entire pirate ship with eight people so you might as well start an uprising and commandeer that ship and just become its captain right that's right yeah you just start off little conversations take it over slowly you know like man this uh captain's kind of a douche you know uh he doesn't treat us well it's not very good you know uh, i think maybe you should be captain you know and dude's like okay okay yeah you're right that's uh that's There's a very kinds, junior thing to do. Yeah, all kinds of uh, ways to play that out. All right, so we're going to keep scrolling. And and here's the thing, too. Um, we're not just looking for questions on these groups. If there's something cool, like somebody shared a cool link to some cool art or a cool like tool for D&D, um, then I'll, you know, I'll share that with you, too, because, I mean, it's why can't we all enjoy D and D just as much as everybody else, you know? So, all, all right. right. Okay. You got one. Yes. And, uh, I was scrolling in one of these, uh, groups and I, this, this question kind of popped up to me because it almost happened to us last time. Um, the question is, uh, to you players who have done some quote unquote seducing, has your DM ever role-played a date with your character and their victim of seduction? And the only reason I bring this up is because uh, Nasir, I played by <laughs> Tanner, has been putting the moves on quite strongly with Trixie, our uh, DM-guided uh, uh, magic shop owner. And uh, <laughs> it's not really playing out too well with him, but I mean, I don't, I don't see him giving up anytime soon. Yeah, and see, that's the thing with, uh, well, really, Nasir and Tanner both. Like, I don't think Tanner's going to give it up. So eventually, I'm just going to have to give in and, like, go on a date with him. 
uh, as Trixie, and that's going to be super awkward. But yeah, if you haven't listened to uh, this week's Dice Time, it just went live tonight. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday, and, and it went live tonight public. Uh, so check that out. And there's some good, um, uh, <laughs> there's some good Nasir. Well, I won't say good. There's some Nasir flirting going on. Please check it out. It is so funny. It is hilarious. I, I will admit, um, I listened to the episode today on our Patreon while I was driving around for work, and uh, the first half of that episode I think is much funnier than the second, because the second half is like all battle. You wake up, you knock the guys out of the cart, you go to the castle, and then from then on out it's like battles. Right. Uh, the first half of it is like Tanner flirting with me, and it's super <laughs> funny. All right, let's see. Oh, here's one that, uh, Jason, I noticed. I got a notification earlier that you had commented on this one, so I clicked on it. Um, somebody asked, what is one? what would one need in order to start playing D&D, dot, 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 asking for a friend? Uh, anytime you tag asking for a friend, it makes it automatically funnier and makes me want to read it. But um, I, I noticed that you commented just the D&D starter set which is what like 50 bucks it's like 15 on amazon really i I looked it up and i sent a link on amazon it was like 12 or 15 dollars and you really don't even need that i mean technically you can download the pdf because they have the basic rules for free and uh, just play with that uh and you know then you're just on dungeons and dragons you can download a free app on any android phone for polyhedral dice and you and a buddy and a PDF and a cell phone and you can play Dungeons and Dragons. Now, it's recommended that you have a player's handbook to get the full experience. Uh, maybe more than one friend because uh, playing, you know, one on one, you can get it done. I, I've done it before, but it's much funner with uh, at least uh, two or three other buddies or more, but less than like seven I feel that now if here's the deal, if you're wanting to be like a first time player to do not, or a first time DM, um, here's just a tip. That's, that's just free for anyone. Um, do not DM a group that is more than five people. The first time you DM, <laughs> I made that mistake. Uh, and it, it did not end well. Um, we're down to four players now. Um, not, not because of anything bad, just other things have come up in players' lives and they've just haven't been able to come play. Uh, but, uh, I'm much more comfortable with the group that we have now because there's four consistent guys. Um, and then Brittany occasionally when she can work it in to be there, you know, cause we do have a one year old son. So, um, but yeah, it, here's what you need to start D and D. You literally need a dice set. You don't even need a dice set, really. You can get dice online or on your on an app, like Jason just said. Um, you need dice, you need paper, and you at least need the basic rules. And really, I mean, honestly, you can you can play Dungeons and Dragons with those three things, you know. So, um, so that was a good question. I like that one. I love scrolling through these Facebook groups. They're just so like. It's so nice to see other people asking the same questions that I'm asking sometimes. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, 
I was actually going to ask one, and then uh, looking up at it, it was like, oh, wait, you posted that question. <laughs> I'm like, Go ahead. I, I didn't even look at the name. It said, uh, uh, to DMs, when writing an adventure, do you uh, try to give each PC their own uh, story arc, or uh, do you just give a, out like a main uh, storyline to follow with a little character development nuggets written in? Yeah, so that was one that I asked um, after the kind of Segan episode that we had, um, where he had all of the visions, and um, I felt I felt really good about that episode because I feel like uh, you know I poured a lot of my heart into that episode uh, for Sean specifically, uh, but then I came away from it feeling like okay, well maybe some of the other players didn't get as much out of that episode, you know, um, and so that's why I asked that question was like do I spend that much time specifically on each player or do I just give them like, here's an overarching story of what's happening in the world and you just fit into it. And here's something from your background and your background and your background and not really worry about like Segan getting from point A to point B because the reality is he could die, you know, next session off the random roll, you know? So so that was really kind of where my head was at on that. And I got a lot of good feedback on that question too. Well, what would you, what would you say Jason to that question? Well, as, as we played it out, you know, I didn't feel left out. Uh, I, I know you were probably worrying about that. You know, I think uh, us others, um, not, not Sean, you know, um, uh, I think we were just really enjoying the storyline. I mean, uh, I was, you know, uh, on the edge of my seat the entire time, even though I wasn't, you know, actively participating in it you know it's kind of like listening to a good book on um you know audio it was just uh sitting there enjoying the storyline you know until it was till his sequence was over you know and then brought back to us but uh i I had no problem with it at all and i don't think anybody else at the table did because it seemed to play out really well well that makes me feel better because i really like um and, and after the uh, the game we did with Matt the other day, which is the Dice Time episode that just went live uh, right. today. Um, after we did that one, I literally was up all night long thinking, like, I feel like we didn't really do much. And I feel like I should have had more villains. But then I was like, well, wait a minute. I almost killed one of the players. And I was like, I can't kill a player on like a one off episode where I'm we're literally only going on this quest because matt is here right. and matt wants to like fight in dungeons and dragons and so it's like we're only on this quest because matt's here for one week i don't want to kill <laughs> a pc you know but that's something that i struggle with uh, that's just an insecurity that i have that um apparently i don't really need to worry about uh, but when i'm behind the screen i i really want my my goal is to make sure that you guys want to come back that's that's my ultimate goal is like when we end a session i don't care if you guys level up or anything like i don't care if somebody dies it doesn't really matter to me my goal is do my players want to come back right Uh, and so if it feels good to see you guys in our little facebook group chat um that we have talking about like can't wait to play DD this weekend or like nasir wants to do this or you know like that's really encouraging to me so Right. Everybody uh, wants to play. Uh, just the, uh, the tone of the our Facebook uh, group uh, was when we uh, when our weekly group was canceled this week. You know, uh, 
especially Tanner, man. He was bummed. <laughs> yeah, I uh, felt really I bad. I talked to Sean. We was gonna try to get uh, me, Sean, and or uh, Tanner together and go to you know hit up Springfield to try to cheer him up and stuff like that. But then I, I think Sean ended up having to work, and then I ended up having to work this weekend as well. So it it just kind of it was a sad week, <laughs> but we get through it, and uh, we're all definitely ready for uh, our next session. Oh, I'm certainly ready. Uh, I'm very ready for Star Wars this weekend, though, because I've DM'd two weeks in a row, uh, right. and I really need a break. Um, I mean, I had a break this week, but I was I traveled to an amusement park with 15 teenagers, uh, and so I really didn't have a break. <laughs> yeah, that's not a break. That's work. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm excited to play Star Wars this weekend, though. I'm very excited. Me too. All right, let's see. All right, here's one. Here. <laughs> here's one. I know this is sort of an unwritten rule as a DM, but has anyone ever had to do the rocks fall and everyone dies trick? So let's check out some of the comments, because I would never even think about doing that, like, I don't know why I would ever want to do that unless it's like a moment where, you know, we've decided that um, we're no longer going to get together as a group and play Dungeons and Dragons. Then maybe I would do a TPK, but I would never even consider doing a TPK. Right. That's uh, you'd have to have kind of an unhappy group or. Yeah. Or just fall apart for that. And even a falling apart group, you know, that would still be kind of a little extreme. <laughs> I would just kind of, you know, to be continued if the group was just kind of split yeah. up. I, I, I don't know if I'd TPK it. Here's a comment that says, ironically enough, my group caused the cave in which they were to completely be destroyed and everything in the cavern. The roll was a one on a D6 for how many rounds the cavern was large enough that no one in the party could make it to the only exit in one round. It was nice. I was nice and asked if they were sure the player that caused it said, yes, I'm sure. It's like, so maybe if a player does an action, like if, uh, if you guys were in some kind of cavern and junior were to like Eldritch blast the ceiling, then, then I, I could see it, you know? Yeah. His his the way he described uh, the situation, yeah. Um, consequent or actions have consequences. Yeah. And, um, you know that. Yeah, I could justify a TPK, and, it would, and I think it'd be kind of fun to roll new characters. You know, uh, in the like same time period, and uh, you know the town cr- news crier or whatever uh, is uh, talking about a party trapped in cave, blah blah blah, cave in you know, <laughs> like that. And they're like. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> that would be funny. I think cave after one of the members or something like that. And you mentioned uh, rolling new characters in the same time period, and that's one thing that uh, I do want to bring up just real briefly, and then we can move on from it. But uh, the critical role group—they um, rolled all new characters in the same world, but like what, like twenty years from Vox Machina, right? I'm not. Uh, sure on the time frame but i think it was somewhere around 20 years 
so so here's um i have no problem with that i think they've executed it very well i think matt mercer is one of the best dms ever and that group is one of the best groups to watch ever um but here's what i would want here's what i want to do if we ever have a tpk or we reach the end of this storyline and we decide hey let's all roll new characters like you guys are just you know burn out of playing these characters you want to play new characters or if nick wants to dm and we all make new characters what i would want to do if we're continuing in athendale is all of us make new characters but like in the same time period as everyone else so like you would make a new character that could be the same age as junior or could be 10 years older than junior but it's the same day and junior is still alive you know what i mean right so that way the dm could like npc one of the former pcs i think that would be cool from my from my perspective i think it'd be cool for me to like have jason's new character run into jason's old character like i think that would be pretty cool i just feel sorry for whoever has to npc junior <laughs> it'd be it'd be difficult because junior's uh He's a character for sure. All right. Let's see. Here's one that um, that we can answer quickly. Uh, it says, recently moved to the to remote mountains. What is the best online platform for Dungeons & Dragons? Uh, I'd say Roll20. That's a good one. Yeah, uh, there's, a, a fan, there's Fantasy Grounds, but uh, I, I'm on Fantasy Grounds, and it has been kind of dead lately i mean roll 20 is not hopping you know uh not as full as it used to be right but uh i thought fantasy grounds was going to be a contender but uh i i i've been looking for groups on fantasy grounds and i'm i'm not seeing much so i would definitely say roll 20 would probably be your best bet yeah i've used roll 20 before i've never dm'd on roll 20 but i've played on roll 20 um with a group that uh the dm lived like two hours from here he was in college and uh, we just all would basically do what we're doing right now we would skype call and then play on roll 20 which it wasn't really like a skype call because roll 20 has its own integrated like voice chat and everything like that um and i enjoyed it i mean we played like three sessions and then it kind of just fizzled out, but um, but I I enjoyed it. I don't I definitely don't enjoy online Dungeons and Dragons as much as I enjoy like sitting around a table with my friends. Um, but I mean, how could you? I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> how could anybody enjoy the online experience more than being physically together with your bros uh, playing D and D? Yeah, and another thing that I would say to the um, recently moving to the mountains um no matter where you move there's going to be you know relatively close to you like within driving distance probably within driving distance i don't know i mean maybe you move to like alaska and there's no civilization within 100 miles but probably within driving distance there's going to be a game store and most game stores are gonna have groups i would imagine alaska probably has a lot of D groups you know, they don't have very internet. Uh, they don't have anything else to do. They, so. Apparently they don't have Blockbuster anymore. The, the last one is like in Wyoming or something like that. 
Uh, yeah, there's really not a lot to do in Alaska, so I bet RPGs uh, are pretty big up there, I would imagine. I, I wouldn't doubt it. There's nothing to do except uh, hunt and walk around in the snow. So. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right. Um, let's see. Uh, here's one. Uh, says simple question for those true multi edition players. Do you feel five E is almost too easy compared to the other edition, the older editions? Now, uh, I've played a lot of the older editions, um, but I, I'm not sure. Uh, did you start in five E or uh, was it like third or fourth edition? Yeah, so I actually, um, the first that I remember was 5e. Now, Nick has the uh, 4e like board game, the Wrath of a Shardalon 4e board game, and I have played that. Uh, and I don't really, I mean, it, it's cool. Like, we took it on a camping trip with us uh, one year, and we, you know, we didn't have time to actually play Dungeons and Dragons, so we played this little board game that was Wrath of a Shardalon fourth edition. And that was cool, but um, yeah, well, my my yeah, my only real experience is fifth edition. So um, I'm probably not the best person to ask that question to. Uh, but Jason, you've played since probably second edition, haven't you? Um, yeah, I, I, I've played uh, first edition, but like my uh, well, I, I, not really first edition. I played advanced Dungeons and Dragons, which we call AD and D. And then the uh, original Dungeon Dragons uh, we called um, OG, you know, D and D. But uh, the first player's handbook I ever bought <clears throat> was Second Edition. So most of my gaming experience comes from Second Edition. Now, uh, the question was: Do you feel that Five E is almost too easy? And I, I would say yes, but in a good way. Uh, there was a lot you could do in second edition. They had rules for just about everything. You could build any kind of campaign because uh, you had uh, modules and uh, oh, little uh, books uh, for each uh, class that had many, many, many subclasses. Uh, but there, there was a lot to it. But I think the way they built 5e is it uh, gives you the opportunity to do more. It's more liberating, I think, than uh, second edition. <clears throat> yes, second edition had, uh, you know, um, like 20 different fighter classes. You know, you could be uh, a cavalier, you know. Uh, right. Uh, um, one of the uh, main uh, show-off classes in Dungeons & Dragons, especially since uh, one of the main characters in the cartoon was a cavalier. But, uh, yeah, it had a lot uh, of extra classes. <coughs> it made you feel like it was um, more uh, freeing and liberating. But I think uh, the way 5th edition simplifies everything, I think that gives you uh, a lot of room to just do whatever you want. And it's a whole lot easier to homebrew in 5th uh, edition. Homebrewing is so easy in 5th edition because there's a... I mean... <clears throat> If, if it's not official Wizards of the Coast, somebody has stat blocked literally everything. Exactly. And you can find it anywhere. And I'm, I mean, 
I think part of that is probably just the timing of 5e with the internet the way that it is versus older editions and you know the internet just kind of just being birthed at the time and maybe not even a thought uh, because like first edition was back in the 80s and the internet wasn't until like 90s late nan- late 90s right uh, and so I think just the um, the advancement of technology has made fifth edition so streamlined and so easy that um, it's just more accessible if you ask me and like i said it's the only one that i've ever uh, had any experience with so probably not the best person to ask that question but i really like your answer of you know it's not a matter of which one's better it's a matter of this one's just different and which one do you like better because like you can still get second edition books if you want to play second edition yeah i have them still (laughs) yeah like you can still get those if you want to play them and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and to that, I would say like, even if you want to play Pathfinder, you can still get the Pathfinder books because Pathfinder was a huge deal back like seven, eight years ago. And maybe it still is. I don't know. Uh, I just know that since critical roles take over and geek and sundries partnership with them, um, dungeons and dragons has, skyrocketed and uh, there was an article about critical role a couple of weeks ago that i saw that said um dungeons and dragons has become something we never thought it would and it had an ellipses and it said popular Uh, and i was like that's amazing that is so awesome that like you know you can get guys like travis willingham that are playing D D. you know that can bridge that gap between the nerds and the jocks uh you know like jocks machina yeah and um and i don't remember his his buddy's name but his um i i can't remember it but he's in magic mike um and he's in uh his name's joe joe something i can't remember his last name but he's in you know or um yeah it's a it's an italian last name he's like i mean he plays a jock in like everything that he plays uh and he's in there playing dungeons and dragons with him which is awesome so um i think Critical Role has really helped the popularity of 5th edition, but those other editions are still available if you want them. Like, there's nothing wrong with liking 2nd edition more than 5th edition. Yeah, uh, the success of Critical Role's uh, Kickstarter uh, just lets you know how mainstream Dungeons & Dragons is right now. No kidding. I just saw a post a minute ago uh, posted on... on Now, keep in mind, this is Friday, so it's probably updated... Uh, this post was posted on Friday. They had raised eight point eight uh, million dollars. Last time I looked, uh, it was like last week, and they just opened up the eight point five million uh, stretch goal. So I, I knew that they were going to hit that pretty quick. That's insane. That's that's absolutely crazy. And that's just a win for all D and D fans, not just uh, Critical Role fans. For real, uh, I think. Even if you are not a fan of Critical Role, this TV show is going to be incredible, and um, it's going to be another way that DMs can, you know, kind of s- steal ideas from Matt Mercer and and use them because it's going to be more accessible, and it's going to be like, hey, here's a TV show that's you know a thirty minute or a forty five minute episode instead of a three hour episode, and here's the plot of that, and here's an encounter. It's like. I may just take that episode and put it in an episode of dice time, you know, like it's going to be awesome. 
All right. We've got a pair question. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, can you polymorph a druid in wild shape? If so, what happens when the po- uh, polymorph runs out, or the beast, uh, or the beast is reduced to zero hit points? Does the druid just reappear in wild shape, or uh, continue taking damage that way? Uh, how many layers of hit points can we pull on that? I think somebody's just really wanted to meta this. Uh. <laughs> That's a great question because I don't know the answer. Uh, I would imagine you could polymorph a beast-shaped druid, but I don't know what would happen after that. I would I was... imagine, well, I don't know, because the the beast shape isn't a concentration spell, and so being affected by another spell wouldn't drop the beast shape, would it? I, I'm not sure. I've been trying. There, there was a couple rules lawyers in here uh, trying to answer this, and, but they kept on conflicting each other. Like um, uh, they said somewhere in uh, Raw uh, that uh, you can't stack effects like that uh, unless something happens. But then they're like, um, well, uh, oh, where's it at? Oh. Uh, Yeah, it says, uh, I would still rule it as one overriding the other to prevent any weird problems of stacking effect on on the effect. And then uh, someone else said, uh, uh, you can polymorph a druid, but as soon as the polymorph runs out, it returns to its druid form because uh, it classes as, as its normal form. Hmm. So... I don't know. Uh, I I don't know if there's an actual rule in uh, the PHB. Uh, there might be one in the DMG, but uh, my wife uh, plays a druid in our uh, jail campaign, and I've read uh, the druid section many times trying to explain it to her because she's a first-time uh, player, and I don't remember anything <clears throat> that would contradict... Uh, you know what they said. You know that it would that it would stack or would not stack. Hmm. It, yeah, I don't know. Sort of like a paradigm, you know, just like uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think that'd, that'd be, be weird. Tall. We don't have a druid in our campaign, so I don't know. And I've never played a druid, so I don't know tons about um, druids and all of their inner workings. Um, now, I will say this. Um, if we start a D&D campaign where uh, I am a player and not a DM, I will strongly consider playing a druid because it's a class I've never played or DM'd. And so um, so there's that little nugget of information that um, I don't want anyone to hold me accountable to because if I decide in panic at the last second, decide to play a ranger again, I don't want you to get mad at me because ranger's my go-to. So. I call next uh, GMing the next uh, our next campaign. So uh, <laughs> I will point you to the druid thing. <laughs> Please don't, because I'll probably make a. Uh, I've I've already on D and D Beyond. I've made a actually this weekend uh, during some downtime I had sitting at Silver Dollar City during like a lunch break or something. Uh, I created on D and D Beyond. I created a ranger because I was like I was wearing my T shirt that said um, it's got. Uh, 
like arrows on it and it's got a banner that says ranger and underneath it it says orcs trolls and ogres i guess you could say i'm a big game hunter and i was like man i'm gonna create a ranger character just because you know <laughs> so uh next campaign i'll probably play a ranger and do what sometimes you got to break out of your comfort zone yeah i know i know that's my role to warlock it was. It's the only thing I have. I've played in a long time that wasn't a dwarf cleric. A lot of people I know, their go-to is dwarf, and I don't. I don't get it. Like, I mean, I like dwarfs. I don't have anything. I'm, I'm not like racist against dwarfs, but like my go-to is half elf. Like always, always. Right. And uh, I think everybody's uh, fascination with dwarves. Uh, I really wouldn't call it a fascination. It's just they're. They're they're so fun. I mean, uh, they're jovial. They're uh, jolly. It's just uh, it's a easy class to play. You know, uh, any um, normal person uh, can be a dwarf. You know, you sit around chilling, drinking some beers. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's <clears throat> I feel you. <laughs> See, I don't know. I I don't know what the fascination has been for me with half elves, but um, I know like. Honestly, if you're looking at it just rules wise, the most practical to me is always human because human gets a plus one to all their stats. Uh, Or you can take the human variant and get a plus one on two and get a extra feat. And so it's like, you know, why would you not do that? Um, Human seems pretty broken to me. But then there's also parts of human where it's like, okay, well, you don't have dark vision and you move slower than other races and you can't wear certain armors and you, you know, different stuff like that. And it's like. Okay, well, okay, it balances itself out. But I don't know, man. I think to me it, the the most practical is probably human just because of the bonuses at the beginning. Right. Yeah, uh, here's it. Not everybody, yeah, I mean, not everybody wants to meta like that, you know, power game. That's that's fair. Some people just want to play a dwarf because they really like Gimli, you know? <laughs> Or some people want to play an elf because they like Legolas. Or for me, I wanted to play a ranger because I love Aragorn. Uh, And now I always want to play ranger. So, all right. So here's a good one. Uh, And this will probably be the last one. We're coming up on 40 minutes. So um, we'll go ahead and do this one. And then if you've got one more, I guess we could do it. But uh, here's this one. It says, Dungeon Masters, how does everyone handle quote-unquote, nothing rooms in dungeons. For example, a room with some broken glass and a statue that don't do anything, uh, rooms that serve no purpose to the plot aside from maybe a minor flavor with no loot inside it either. Are you obvious to the party that there's nothing interesting, or do you let the party poke around and roll checks anyway? Um, So we're both DMs. So we can both answer this question. Um, if you listen to Dice Time, you know that I make them roll for everything. So for me, if they go into a room where there's nothing in that room, um, I'm not going to tell them there's nothing in that room. If there's a statue, um, I'm going to make them think that there's a puzzle. You know, because that's that's the most common thing for me in my dungeons is puzzles because I really like like National Treasure is one of my favorite movies, and so I like cool puzzles so if you guys go into an empty room that happens to have like one or two items you probably are going to think there's a puzzle and i'm not going to tell you that there's nothing there 
Um, personally, that's how I would do it. I don't know how other people do it, but that's how I do it. Right. And, uh, and empty rooms serve a purpose. And, uh, uh, sometimes that purpose is just, to, you know, uh, exist, uh, cause in real life, they're rooms that don't have anything in it. Uh, I've got a bathroom uh, right next to the bedroom that doesn't have anything in it. Uh, <laughs> it's the main reason the, uh, plumbing is real weak in there. So there, there, there's nothing in it. I mean, it's just a room. Uh, eventually we'll work on getting it fixed, but, uh, there, there's just, sometimes there's empty rooms. Now in the game that I run, uh, I do a lot of, uh, I do everything on the fly because we don't have a lot of materials up there at the jail to work with. Uh, so I don't present a lot of empty rooms, you know, uh, I'll, uh, present a challenge and, uh, they pass or fail, you know, uh, whether it's a puzzle or, a uh, a riddle or something like that. Uh, but I, I try not to do a whole lot of empty rooms or, uh, elaborate, uh, mazes or anything like that in our group because uh time is limited and resources are limited and uh, uh we we, we want to get as we want to condense as much fun into the two two and a half hours we have up there uh and kind of get it out of the way but if i was going to run like a normal campaign oh yeah it, it'd be empty rooms galore uh and uh you just have to figure that out on your own for sure. And I think um, probably the best way that we can answer this question is the classic uh, Nick Brown answer and just say it depends on your group um, and your situation. Like for you, um, I don't know anybody that plays in your group, but for your situation, it just doesn't make sense to have a pointless empty room for my group and my situation. Uh, it'd be one to be a comical moment to watch Nasir sneak around and not find anything. And two... Or- we just have through it and not give this year the chance to yeah look the yeah tracks. yeah and so you know for our group it the empty rooms serve a purpose i mean obviously a different purpose than what they would in your game because like i said i don't know the the guys that you play with but they may not enjoy walking into an empty room and not finding anything our guys like rolling dice so our guys are going to roll dice. Even if they roll a natural 20, they're not going to find anything in this empty room. Um, that's just how it's going to go. And I, I would, I would lean on the side of, you know, it depends on your campaign. It depends on uh, your group of guys. It depends on, um, your resources, your setting, everything like that. So, um, to answer that question in the simplest way possible, it would be, how do you want to do it? Right. You know, as the DM of that campaign, how do you want to do it? How do you think the best way to do it is? So, uh, do you have another one or are we ready to go? I think we're ready. Uh, I think I've exhausted uh, all the good ones on my uh, group. <laughs> well, you've exhausted all of the questions and I'm exhausted physically because uh, I had a long day at work, then came home and mowed and put together a bunch of baby toys because. That's what you do when you're a dad is you mow the lawn and you put together toys. I so. can <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us ramble about Dungeons and Dragons for um, 45 minutes now. 
Um, if you like what we're doing here and you want to see us continue to grow and improve, you can check us out on patreon.com forward slash the nerdcast one. There are three tiers to our Patreon. The names have changed since, um, um, we last spoke of it. Maybe not since we last spoke of it, but, uh, the names have changed. Um, the $1 tier is the first years like Harry Potter. Uh, it's your first year at Hogwarts. Um, the $2 tier is the riders of Rohan. You are master horseman. Uh, actually, I think that's the $3 tier. Uh, $3 tier is Riders of Rohan. And then the $5 tier, for the low, low price of $5, you can achieve a rank higher than uh, the great Anakin Skywalker and become a Jedi Master. Um, and we would greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate all the support that we can get. Um, and guys, let us know if uh, the audio quality on this, if um, if it's a problem, then you know we won't continue to do these Skype calls, but it's just convenient for us. It's just easier for us a lot of times to be able to sit down and do it like this. Um, check out our website, jrbnerdcast.com, and um, you can send us an email on there to see if uh, you've got any topics that you want us to talk about on the podcast. And also, if you want to write a blog post for us, you can do that as well. Uh, but I encourage you to check out the blogs that are up. We've got um, several good ones up. We've got one about Star Wars canon that Matt wrote. Uh, Jason wrote one about uh, what it's like to be a, a gaming dad, which is really good. Um, Sean wrote one about um, the challenges of being a DM versus being a player and what it was like for him the first time that he stepped into it. Uh, and then the most recent one I've written, uh, I've written one about um, why you should play Dungeons and Dragons and what it took for me to get into Dungeons and Dragons called Adventure Awaits. Um, and so, guys, I um, really appreciate all the support that we've been getting. Uh, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Nerdcast One. Jason, you got any social media you want to plug? I know you've got them. You want to plug them? Um, not mine uh, necessarily. Um, uh, but everybody should go check out the Rogues Den if you're in the Harrison area uh, for all your Dungeons and Dragons, Warhammer, and board gaming needs. 100% check out the rogues in and if you're not in the Harrison area check them out on Facebook give them a like let them know uh, that we're sending you over there and um, maybe once they start doing online orders anything like that maybe they can uh, work in something where they're doing Skype calls I know they're working on expansions uh, in that store as well so big things going on over there guys thank you so much for all of the love and support and we will see you in the next one.